open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Verses 10 through 11 will be my text, and then we're going to turn over to 1 Thessalonians 3 from there. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 11 says, And while they looked steadfastly as he went up, and he being Jesus, and they being the uh, disciples, the church, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. The title of my message is, God Could Come in 2023. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we consider the truth in the matter, the end is nigh. As we consider the description that we just concluded with there in Sunday school, that it would be in a little while. Yet a little while. We might behold thee. We might be embraced like we've never been embraced before. Lighter than we've ever been. Warmer than we've ever been. Loved fully and completely as you had foreordained it to be away from the temptation and the drawing away, free from cancer, Parkinson's, muscular dystrophy, all the things that weigh on our bodies, that weigh down our flesh as heavy piercings, free from all markings, free from all temptation. Let me say it again. We wouldn't be drawn back, drawn out, vexed. Oh, how we long for this fast approaching. Help us, Father, to consider the time that we have left, to redeem it as we've been commanded to do. Help us to hearken unto the truth of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The reading that I have for us next, it may seem odd. We're going to cross a lot of chapter breaks. But if you'll turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 11. And we're going to read through chapter 5, verse 11. Paul being uh, our writer here, he says in chapter 3, verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. This isn't necessarily an instruction for perilous times. This was an instruction for the immediate times in which Paul was writing. I wonder how we're doing, specifically with verse 12. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, 
because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Excuse me. Verse 9 of chapter 4. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. And remind you, Paul's writing to a real church there in Thessalonica. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Be not satisfied, he says, with the love offerings you've sent through Paul to Macedonia, but continue to abound. This is the encouragement of Paul. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether that that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And I had mentioned in the opening, there's a great bit of work to do. I guess it was the conclusion of the Sunday school. There's a great bit of work to do. That every child of the king is charged and edified for the purposes of the battlefront that lies ahead of them. I... I think it was two years ago when I preached a message very similar to this one. Isaac is actually the one who asked me to, uh, to revise and preach something to this nature. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that the Lord used him to put this on my heart. But I think of 1 Thessalonians 4, which unfortunately many of you know I, I use at funeral services. And I think of how many times I've read that by a grave in the last two years. I think the last time I tried to, Clark took it from me, and he read it at a grave. But as he saw from the outline, it was there. We don't mourn as others do. But as you've seen twice in, these, in the reading that we just had, Paul admonishes them that they know these things. 
that they know the Lord's coming. This is a church. We are a church. We know the Lord is coming. And yet we act sometimes as though we've got all the time in the world. The average human being now spends at minimum 16% of his or her life in the front of a TV. That number has gone down since the last time I preached this message like this, and that's only because it's been replaced with the Internet. It's not to our praise. This number is crazy high. 16% of our time. And, and as many of you know, when I teach on tithing, I teach on the tithing of money, yes, but also on time. And many of us fall short of the time that we're called to give back to the Lord. Tithe is a reference to 10%, not cash. It's a reference to an amount. And if we tithe 10% of our time, just in one day, that's 2.4 hours. Pretty easy math to do. But how often do we actually do that? How often do we give the Lord the time that he requires? But many of us would probably say 16% is low for how much time we give over to television. Experts say that the average person living 65 years will have lived roughly 10 years in front of a TV and over 15 years in front of the Internet now. These numbers are not just worldly lost people, I'm afraid. The poll group was based on statistics pulled from the United States. You and me, churchgoer and non-churchgoer alike. We are either polling these numbers up, based on how averages work, or we're polling these numbers down. Only we know our true impact on these numbers. A, a survey conducted in February of 2022, not even a full year ago, showed that the average U.S. adult will spend an average of around three hours watching TV every single day some of you will say well not me you probably would say that if i was preaching this in the spring but we're still in football season aren't we and the nfl plays just about every day of the week now three hours a day i don't think that's an accident steve that 2.4 hours is just about three hours it's exactly what we're to give to the Lord. 2.4 hours is the average of a movie now. There was a time when most movies were less than two hours. But if you're a Marvel fan, they push three hours now. And most movies are at least two and a half hours long. I don't think that's an accident, Steve. But that's exactly what the Lord has asked for us to give to him. How many of us study our Bibles two and a half hours a day? How many of us witness two and a half hours a day? How many of us do either one in a combination of two and a half hours a day? How many of you pray? Pray for the lost, pray for your pastor, pray for the Sunday school teachers. Two and a half hours a day. It seems like a lot when we put it that way, but when we say, how many of you seen a movie on average once a day? It's about two and a half hours. How many of you binge watch The Rings of Power? I think every episode was 50 minutes, so if you watch two, you gave your tithe away. Jesus is coming again. And all of that vain time, we're going to give an answer for. We won't have a choice. Prophetically, as we've said many, many times, there's nothing left that must happen before he returns. Are you ready? I think most Christians would say on a Sunday, yes, I am. I gave most of my tithe to that Sunday school lesson the pastor just gave. I'm ready today, but what will you do tomorrow? As you're uh, going through a type of 
church member hangover from the long sermons that the pastor gave, will you still give two and a half hours tomorrow to the Lord in prayer and study in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Probably not. I don't on Mondays. Mondays I usually use my favorite excuse. I have a secular job. I have to give it my attention on Mondays. And when a day of work is over, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything else. But the Lord's coming again, isn't he? Brother Joe, wake up. See the seasons for what they are. He's coming again soon. And I believe he'll probably come on a Monday. I'm not dogmatic on that, but I think that's the day we're most unprepared for him to come. And those are churchgoers. Those who aren't churchgoers, Monday is just another day. Will we be ready? What would we do with two and a half hours for the Lord? Well, these days, you can jump on with those who are watching right now and watch two and a half hours of preaching, at least. Those radio stations I've been telling you about, pretty easy to give over two and a half hours. I, I think Milburn's probably got two and a half hours a day worth of sermons on Grace Today Radio. You can actually afford in 2023 to be selective with what you do. But you give it to God. But how often do we do it? As I had mentioned, we we just recently, probably two or three months ago, finished the study on the questions of Malachi. Then we went into the questions for Christians in perilous times. Getting ready to print a paper that's all questions. Ironically, no forum questions, but four main articles that are questions. And soon we'll be starting, Lord willing, next Sunday, uh, a study that looks at the questions in Malik or in Micah. There's a lot of questions, and those questions are for us. How will we answer? How have we been answering these questions? What I want to do this morning is to give you more questions. God could come in 2023, so what should you flee? What should you pursue? And what is your action plan? And some will say, preacher, you've used those points before. It's 2023. I want you to develop a new action plan. I want you to analyze your Christian life, which is your entire life, if you're Christian, by the way, and identify that which you should flee. Now, we did this in August, preacher. When we fasted, we identified what to get rid of, and in that time, study the Word of God. Why did we stop? Because the pastor said we're officially going to stop? Or are you still going? I know a couple of you I've talked to said you wanted to keep going. Keep going. I wouldn't encourage you to fast food for six months. But whatever it is that's distracting you, you can do away with it for a while. And if the Lord's coming soon, which I believe he is, you could probably do away with it forever. You don't need it. The NFL is going to keep offending us. College football, college sports, they're going to keep offending us. And the day we live now, football player died on the field at the beginning of last week. Were you humbled? Did you watch? Were you humbled? As both teams came together, and, and I won't question the validity of it, but prayed, cried, hearts broken over what to... And this happens every time man meets death. Now, man's never gotten away from death in the history of time. But every time something sudden like 9-11 happens, man is reminded once again that all is vain and that time is but a vapor and it is quickly coming to an end. 
A little further down the page from where we last read, you'll find the following exhortation from Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And it starts in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded. And already up to this point, he's encouraged comfort twice in just what we've already read. Comfort one another with these words in verse 18. And then where we concluded there in verse 11, he mentions comfort again. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And here in verse 14, he does it again. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil. In the coming months, Lord willing, we'll spend more time on the prove all things and, and visit again, abstain from all appearances of evil. But all these things that he tells the church there to do, they cannot do if they have unforgiveness in their hearts. They cannot do it if they're rendering evil for evil. They can't do this. They, they can't pray for somebody they're tailbearing about. Oh, beloved friend, I want to pray for you. And then as soon as they're done, they go and tell somebody else, that's not praying. That's tailbearing. That's lying on your brother or your sister. Well, what if it's true? Please don't be the sister that comes and asks me later if it's true, because that really reveals that you're a tailbearer, and I'd prefer not to, to have that burden unless you need to unveil it. Understand what prayer is. Understand the sovereign privilege you have when someone says, I am desirous that you would pray for me. They didn't say it corporately. They said it to you. When they say they are desirous of your prayers, they want you to pray for and possibly even with them. They want you to bear their burdens. They want maybe an answer, but most of the time, they just want your time. You heard me joking Wednesday about uh, how, how many nights I stayed up late and uh, was talking with Brother Nate Hilly over at the church house, which is in their backyard. Um, and, and jokingly in the past, I've talked about how, how little I actually ever get to say in those conversations. And it wasn't any different. He just needed somebody to listen. And sometimes that's all we need to do. Sometimes we need to trust that the Lord's using us even when we don't know it. But God could come in 2023. When's the last time you've listened in a godly manner? When's the last time you've comforted the feeble-minded, supported the weak, warned the unruly, their house is on fire? When's the last time you've been patient toward all men? Patience is an amazing thing because if you don't have it, it's a real pain to get. It is a real painful experience to master. Beloved, as we've said before, if we were to work as we should, being dedicated fully to the jobs that we have taken an oath to fulfill, to attend to our families as we should, gentlemen, in leading, in studying, and doing devotions with them, if being present with them in mind and body, if we serve the church as we're commanded to do, if we truly believe that God we serve were the God of all creation, both Savior and Lord, we truly would not have much time left over for bad decision-making. We wouldn't have time left over for tail-bearing. 
We wouldn't have time left over to drive this 16% up even higher for our time in front of televisions or the internet or flesh service. Every time we're not serving God, we're serving something. Every single time. But if we were doing all things faithfully, Colossians 3, all things as if unto the Lord, and as I said, uh, if you're a Christian, then all of your life is a Christian life. There's not any part of it that's kept secluded or for you. It's all for God. Then we wouldn't have time for such other things. Who would have time to be unruly? Who would have time to devise ways in which they could render evil for evil? If serving as we should in church, we could never despise, which means to give little attention to the prophesying of Scripture, for we would be craving them as a rare delicacy and recognizing their place in our lives. Consider with me the Christian exchange rate, which we have talked about in the past, and this is defined as what we sell our time with the Lord for. So let's revisit it. When you miss church, what are you doing? That is the going rate for your time. This is what I'm willing to do instead of going to church. This is more valuable to you than being in church. I know that's a hard one. Probably the hardest one to start with. It's no less true. Think about it like this. If I missed the third Sunday in a row to stay in Florida, how long would it take for you all to be like, well, Florida's the going rate for our pastor to not be here? All he needs is time with the Hillies or time in the sunshine or time at Kennedy Space Center or Legoland or whatever it is they're doing down there. That's all it takes to get him to leave the pulpit. Is that the pastor for us who would exchange in such manner? Why am I held to such a high regard compared to you? You're not here. Wherever you are is more important to you than God. How could you say that, preacher? I didn't. You did. Where's our missing member from the back pew? Wherever he's been for the past year is more important to him than here. You need to recognize that his vacant seat is telling us that, and your vacant seat will also tell us that. And it's not so we can judge you. That's a warning to us. I think it's good that Baptists sit in seats like they're assigned, because it's a warning to us. Someone's not here. They need our prayer, and we all know who they are. When you choose to not go to an area of fellowship, what is the reason? That's the going rate for your Saturday afternoon. A meeting just about every day for a week and a half in March, and you've got two months to ask for the time off, to make plans with your wife, to talk to the pastor about finding a place to stay. And if you don't go, that's the going rate for your Saturday or your Tuesday night or your Thursday night. This is why we say, well, if you're missing a fellowship for your own services, that's okay because the going rate for your afternoon or evening is here. That's good. That's okay. When you decide to go to the movies, sleep in, get drunk, rather than meditate on the Word of God, rather than start a Bible study in your community, because your outreach is very different than mine, those things become the going rate for what the Lord has commanded you to do. I cannot take the gospel out under the world. I need more money. I cannot take the gospel out into the world because having a good time with my buddies is more important. Your buddies might be going to hell. They might be the ones that you need to give the gospel to the most. 
Compare that to the mock trial, the humiliations, the beatings, and the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the going rate of your soul. That's what he went through willingly to pay the price for you. I'm sure the pews aren't the most comfortable pews in the world. I've said and worse. I'm sure the long-winded preaching is probably not your idea of a good time. This is what God had for you. This is the meal he set before you this day. It would be to our shame that April 9th you're not here, if you're a member of this church. That's the Lord's Supper. Well, I got to work, or I got to go home and visit family. All of your pastor's family lives in Ohio. Imagine how I take that every single time somebody misses to go spend time with family. And I'm just one member. Well, you planned it on the wrong day. Poor Jen gave up a whole weekend of lawn work last year, and I mention it a lot, to be here for our meeting. She gave it up. Why? I think you should ask her. Ask her when we go to the meal. Why'd you give that weekend up? Preacher make you? Did he hold you at gunpoint? If you're not as close to God as you once were, by definition, you have backslidden. The old, the old preachers used to say, who moved? It wasn't God. He's immutable. He can't. And he won't. Whatever's come between you and God, now is the time to flee from it. The children of Israel had given themselves over to idol worship and followed the words of the false prophets of Baal. And Elijah confronted Ahab, king of Israel, and called for him to bring the nation of Israel and the 450 prophets to Mount Carmel. How many of us read that, uh, that, that text and say, Yeah! Get him, Elijah! Man, they strayed! Get him good! Are we the same ones that will show up when I say, hey, we're going to have a, an extra meeting this week for prayer? Ladies in one room, men in another, but let, let's get together on Thursday and have prayer. Oh, I like Elijah getting them. I like Elijah facing down 450 false prophets, but I, I like my Thursday nights too. Do you know why he called them together? Because the Israelites were not as close to God as they once were and as they needed to be. They were all together backslidden and needed revival. Think of what he says in 1 Kings 18, verse 21. He came unto all the people and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. I got in trouble in temperance one time on that very verse. Some Baptists, believe it or not, got upset. Because I said, if you don't agree like we do, why are you still here? Most of the time, as many of you may know, that usually causes trouble. If you don't agree with the word of God, if you don't agree with what the Lord has for his people, and as it's delivered and preached here, if you hate me, just tell me. That's different. But if you disagree fundamentally with this word, go somewhere else. There is every version of truth out there there's only one in here and lord willing it'll be kept that way whether you have to throw me out or not and that's hard and it was family just so you know they heard it and they didn't like it how dare you say that it was one who'd only ever heard me preach one time and he never came back he's with the lord now he knows the truth of god's word now beloved this is the time we have to redeem this is the time we have to come back unto him
if God be, if the Lord be God, follow him. Pursue after him. Run from these things that you ought not be involved in. I present the same question to you today, for you cannot serve both God and mammon. How much longer shall ye halt, which means to become lame, or even dance between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, and be done with everything that is not of God. Secondly, what should you pursue? Looking again at Paul's exhortation in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verses 16 through 18. He says, Rejoice evermore. This is what we are to pursue. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. He could have said this with two words, rejoiceth, prayeth, but he spells it out. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, which is also an ongoing exhortation, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, I'd give more time to God, but there's nothing to do. Start with these three. You'll run out of time before you run out of things to rejoice over, pray over, or give thanks for. Do you remember the day that you were saved? Would you share that with us today? After we grilled Jen for why she gave up a weekend of yard work, would you share your salvation story with us today at lunch? Would you talk about it or even think now about that day the Lord saved you? You know, we're constantly breaking down why don't we see more lost people saved? When's the last time you talked about being saved? A lot of people know my story. When's the last time you told yours? When's the last time you told people just how vile and ugly and evil you were at your worst and what God did for you and how you feel about it? The reason sometimes folks come to the end of the day and say, I don't think I'm saved, is they don't see joy. Rejoice evermore, Paul says. You know, anybody who went back to the church there at Thessalonica that following Wednesday night, if they weren't rejoicing, they were the ones everybody was looking at. You know, you didn't listen to the preacher. Paul was just, he just wrote to us about rejoicing evermore. And you look like somebody stole your lunch money. And probably for the next couple of weeks, it'll be the same here. Where'd your joy go? Is it because I didn't stir it up? Rejoice evermore. This means every morning, take out the dry, damp, cold ashes from the furnace and replace it and get that fire good and burning hot. Rejoice evermore. Woo! Pray without ceasing. Why? Because you can't. The veil's torn asunder. Why should you pray without ceasing? Because he has commanded it and because you can't. Give thanks for everything. In a way, it hurts us that we have a holiday called Thanksgiving because it's the only time people are thankful. And in a lot of ways, the heathen holiday that follows it hurts us because nobody knows how to love unless they're getting a gift. I was so happy when I was saved. I was so relieved when I was saved. I could, by God's grace, jump higher. I could sing better. I could speak gooder. My breath made other people's breath smell better when I was saved by God because that's how powerful he is. Okay, I went a little further than maybe we should. But when you tell the story of your salvation, does it sound that crazy, that mind-blowing? Does it sound like some kind of Disney story that isn't possible, that you rode in a chariot that was once a pumpkin?
Would it not have been great if those days of joy over our salvation had never ended? Who moved? Paul here says that joy never had to end. Paul says here that rejoicing was never supposed to end. Our distance from God is not a result of his moving, but rather our falling away. And everyone in this room has done it. I know this because not too many of you are smiling right now. Is it because I'm preaching an angry sermon? I'm talking about rejoicing. Think of the actual content that I'm talking about. I'm asking you to remember the day of your salvation, and yet none smile but Eddie right now. Romans 8, 28 through 31, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can bring that smile to a frown? No one. Who can make life stink all over again? Oh, sure, preacher, salvation can't be lost, but this is just a rough day. Why? You have the victory. What if we said that to one another? I was talking to Nate again last night, and yeah, it was three hours. And he pointed something out. He said he came home one night, and I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. He, he came home one night. He thought he was in a good mood, and Cassie said, what's wrong? He said, I immediately started breaking everything down in my mind. Something must be wrong. Cassie picked up on something. What am I upset about? And he said, I spent the rest of the day upset. He said they had a horrible fight for the end of the day. And he said, that led us to have a conversation about what if you said what's right? And it blew my mind. If my wife started each day and said, what's right? Because we are pretty good at asking each other what's wrong. She said, what's right? I'd be forced to think about the blessings of God. I'd be forced to think about the fact that I have no reason to mourn or be upset. So I ask you this day, what's right? Instead of a sermon on God could come in 2023 and then, oh, you only have so much time. This could be the last season you watch Tom Brady play. Oh, it's all coming to an end. But instead, I conclude it with what's going right. We've only got so much more time to be stuck here. So much more time to labor in the fields that are white with harvests. So many more issues of the banner. So many more months of the radio station files. So many more times to guess my titles. So many more business meetings. What's right? What is going right, beloved friends? What shall we say to these things that we feel we can no longer do? God be for us. Who can be against? What shall we say then to these things that distract us from God? After all, Romans 8, 33-35 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Sounds like he's doing all the work. It is also he who separates us from, or, or rather it says in the next question here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he starts listing. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? These are all things literally that we Baptists have fretted over since Trump left office. Try me on this. 
tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. I don't remember fretting over nakedness as much, but peril and sword, it's all there. It's all there. Oh, how we are like the Israelites. Give us those sweet herbs, the sweet meat of Egypt. It was better when we were slaves. Oh, woe is me. It's so hard, so rough. Go read Romans 8 again. To any of these questions, we could make endless excuses. Know here and now that God's grace is greater than all of them. Don't line up at the pulpit at the end of this message and say, here's why I don't pray as I should. Here's why I don't serve as I should. Here's why I, I don't go to these meetings. Many of you would probably be shocked, but you've already given me those reasons. Telling, is it not? I've probably given you mine over and over again as well. God already knows these excuses, but he's also the one who led the writer to say, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? What excuses shall prevail against the victory that we have in Christ Jesus? Is another way of thinking about what we just read in Romans 8. Learn to say no, beloved, to those things he's not called you to pursue. Are you called to waste your time being a taxi? Are you called to waste your time watching television, playing video games, playing around on the internet? Are you called to complain day and night about politics? No, you're called to rejoice evermore. You can't do both. Learn to crave once again that rejuvenated feeling that we had at salvation right here and now in 2023, because God's coming, and he could come in 2023. When we first gave thanks and felt the pull of the Father's will, the joy of knowing that we are wanted. This is where that joy comes from. He wants me. He wants me. Seek again to give warning to the lost, to comfort the feeble-minded, to support the weak, to patiently embrace the imperfections of your fellow man. Yes, even the imperfections of your pastor. For you are the light of this world. And there, here's another small fact there that maybe we miss. A Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about us being a light, a city set on a hill, we are to receive it as though he's talking about us. The light of the world isn't what is in the grave from the beginning uh, of, of this era. That's now referred to as common era. It was A.D. my whole life. The light of the world is us today. Those who have been called to join and have been faithful to join one of the Lord's true churches. You are the light of this world. You are the hope bringers, the cup bearers of a great and terrible God. They were too, but they're now in Hebrews 11, resting. You are here in 2023, and God could come back in 2023. So this brings us to our final point. What is our action plan? And this point is yours. How much longer will you halt between two opinions? Yours is wrong. God's is right. Goals are reached when you make a plan. When results can be measured, goals can be met. Tom Brady, the winningest quarterback in NFL history, said, I think the great part about what I do is that there's a scoreboard. At the end of every week, you know how you did. 
You know how well you prepared. You know whether you executed your game plan. There's a tangible score. So do that. If the Lord is leaning on you to share the gospel of your community, get a map of your community and start checking off houses you've gone to. If the Lord is on your heart, and he may be for both, but if he's on your heart to read through the Bible this year, 100%, print the names of the 66 books and start highlighting or crossing them off as you go. Because I can tell you in March, if we have a conversation, Clark, how's it going with reading the Bible in the whole year? Clark will say, I can't do it. I've lost three months. There's no way I'm going to get through it. I know that because I would say the same thing. But now, January what, 9th? You can put a plan together for your household, gentlemen. Ladies, if you don't have a gentleman, you can put a plan together for your households on how you will achieve these goals that the Lord has for you. If you're trying to lose weight, you'd make a plan. If you're trying to eat better, you'd make meals. Because Wendy's ain't going to do it. I beseech you now to make goals for 2023 related to your relationship with God. There are no other goals for 2023 more important than your relationship with God. If it's reading the Bible more, there are 31 Proverbs and a lot of months on the calendar that have 31 days in them. I think it speaks for itself, don't you? There's 150 Psalms, three chapters a week. You can read them all in one year. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. That's just 85 verses a day. And you can read them in any order you want to. There's 66 books. That's five and a half books a month. Want to get to know the doctrines of the Bible, the history of the Baptist, truth behind what your calendar might call holidays? Read the Bible. Romans is a great place to start for doctrine. Our afternoon study is, beneficial, is a beneficial place to start concerning the traditional holidays of man. But we also have an entire library here, and you all have access to it. That's Milburn's library, left to the Bereans, not to the following pastor, to the Bereans. Go, read. A lot of it, once you start looking around, makes sense. It's in the order of the Bibles, uh, the books of the Bible, a lot of it, the Baptist histories together heresies together if you want a tour i'm happy to do it there's no shame in that but go read go see what god has for you what he has stored in that room for years just for you to go read you have the papers and we have all of them berea baptist banner voice in the wilderness the landmark baptist paper uh sister gilbert just sent us a whole bunch of baptist examiners go read them I don't have some claim on those. We're not preserving them for all time. The end is nigh. Go read them. We don't even have a checkout system. You want to read some of this stuff? Be good for you. Read the or listen to the audio. There's tapes and CDs in the library. Derek might want you to check those out. But they are rapidly being converted. Rapidly being converted for your edification. That's the reason that nearly 3,000 sermons have been flipped over and digitized. How many have you listened to of the three? How many have you sought after of the three? There's those radio stations I mentioned, Missionary Baptist Radio, Grace Today Radio. There are the pastors and the men of the church. Many of us will preach and teach for food. You want to have me over? You want to ask questions? Do you want to have me and Steve over? I eat a little more than he does, but we'll teach for food. 
Romans 15, verses 1 through 6, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2023, ladies, how can you be a blessing one to another? Ye elders teaching and leading the youngers, as Scripture has declared for us to do. Men, can we gather together and be edified? Can we spend time in prayer and godly discussion, or just discussion at all, and be unashamed? Tail end of 2022 is telling. We have trouble with it. All of us, we have trouble with it. We're just trying to survive day to day. But show me in Scripture where we're called to survive. In fact, uh, we're told in Scripture that he who keeps his life loses it. We're not called to survive. We're more than conquerors. We have the victory. We're called to rejoice evermore. We're called to proclaim the knowledge that we've been blessed with of our Lord and Savior and to declare, I say unto thee, he is coming again. But what if the person you say that to says, tell me more about Jesus? Do you have an answer for that? Your goal in 2023 might just be to have an answer for that. Tell me more, more about Jesus. Reciting unto them the doctrines of grace is not telling them more, more about Jesus. And I love those doctrines because they're biblical. But they're not biblically separated. We separate them to teach them. When they say, tell me more and more about Jesus, can you tell them what he came to do? I'm not talking about these nativity scenes and Xmas stories. Can you tell them the truth that he came here to die? Can you tell them who Judas Iscariot was? How he betrayed our Lord and Savior with a kiss? And how every single one of us would have done the same if not for the grace of God. How this betrayal purchased him a field where he hung himself and died. And as the son of perdition, he was never anything more than he always was. How he fulfilled scripture in that very act. Can you tell them about Deacon Stephen? Going up against a lost cause jury that was never going to be persuaded otherwise, he delivered the truth unto them in a mighty, powerful way. That they had betrayed God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How they were going to shed the blood of Stephen. And he, he prayed that they would be forgiven. Can you talk with somebody who's lost today about forgiveness? Because i got to tell you personally, this is what scares me the most as a Baptist. I don't know how many of us can actually talk to somebody about forgiveness. 2022 is a long year. I don't know how we did all the things that we did. I preached on forgiveness at Decatur. 
Some of the preachers were riled up. I preached on forgiveness again in Idaho. I was stabbed in the back. I preached on forgiveness the year before, Silsby. A lot of you know how that ended. We don't know about forgiveness. And everything we know about eternal life is dependent on forgiveness. If we're not forgiven, we don't have it. If we're not forgiven, we're not born again. If we're not forgiven, we don't know the Lord Jesus because the very first expression that he has toward us is forgiveness. How many can say, like Simon Peter, how often should I forgive the one who has hurt me or lied to me or betrayed me and understand the answer the Lord gave? And if we don't know about forgiveness enough to explain it, I don't know that we can explain love. And if we can't explain forgiveness and love, I don't know if we can explain grace. You see, there's a lot we can study in 2023. There's a lot we can labor to understand more fully. And I want to teach discernment. And I want us to understand discernment. And I want us to understand the Bible. I'd love for somebody to step up and say, I want to, I want to have a more involvement in the banner. And I want to do these things. But all of those pale in comparison. I've failed you as a pastor. If I've not taught you on forgiveness and grace and love, and you failed as a child of the king, if you really indeed are one, if you don't want to know more about those things, tell me more, more about Jesus. That's a good endeavor. Our work in the Lord there would not be in vain. Let's close with a prayer.